I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listener, this is a podcast that will, in which I'll share some of the recent experiences I've had. And I'm making this podcast in a bit of a different place than usual. Usually I sit out overlooking the ocean on my favorite bench facing the horizon east. But at this moment, I'm actually standing in the entryway of a local church. It's a Catholic church. And I often come here to pray As I've shared in my memoir, which is called In Duet with God, this kind of prayer has was really brought into my life when I was very young by a woman who came to care for me. I was eight years old, and her devotion to Mary, she is devout Catholic, her devotion to Mary infused my life with a kind of sweetness and love that carries to this day. So her devotion has kind of become, in an interesting and beautiful way, my own touchstone uh, into the depth of prayer and faith. So I'm standing in front of a particular image of Mary. And this image is called Mary the Untire of Knots. It's not an image that is particularly common, But I have to tell you that I was introduced to it at possibly the lowest point in my life. And interestingly, dear listener, I'll always remember hearing um, something about the famous entertainer, Sammy Davis Jr. And he he was in a really horrendous car accident many, many years ago when he was at the height of his entertaining career and ended up in the hospital fighting for his life. That accident would eventually cost him his eye. He lost an eye in that. And he was lying there, as I understand, uh, you know, really on the the verge of, of death. And a friend of his came to visit him. And at that moment pressed a Jewish star into the palm of his hand. I don't even know if Sammy Davis Jr. was conscious at that moment or not, but he he survived incredible tragedy and had that Jewish star and actually ended up converting to Judaism based upon his friend's faith and how his friend shared his faith with him at that critical moment. So from when I was young, the most powerful spiritual presence and practice in my life was really that of the woman who was my nanny. And she, as I said, came to me when I was eight and had this beautiful image of Mary up on a top shelf in her closet. And so The feeling of Mary has been in my life from when I was very young, and it came really through the love of this woman. 
in a very similar way, I think, to the way that Judaism came to Sammy Davis Jr. through the faith and love of his friend at that critical moment. So about three years ago, I was embroiled in fairly horrendous circumstances, and frankly, I didn't know how it would all resolve. I was going through a divorce. I had left a marriage due to domestic abuse and was experiencing many other really pretty awful things from other sources. And uh, I'll always remember I was actually being housed, sheltered in this very special, very spiritual, very hallowed place in Massachusetts called the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. They had a little guest house there, and that was actually where I, I went and was blessed to be able to be when I walked out the door of my uh, marital home. But I'll always remember one morning, it was an April morning, still frosty, still cold in the Berkshire hills of, of western Massachusetts, and walking out the door and seeing something on the windshield of my car tucked under the windshield wipers, and it was an image of Mary. It was an image of Mary, the untire of knots. And it was left there by a friend, a very new friend, someone who actually didn't even really know all the ins and outs of my situation at that point. But she would later say to me, you know, that image somehow just came to me. It came to me to to, to give that to you, and I don't even know why, but, you know, it, 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 I was inspired to do it. So there it was. I had never seen that image before. But it's this most beautiful image of Mary in this long red robe and or dress with a blue, deep blue shawl. And the angels are around her. They're around her. There are stars above her head. And these beautiful angels are feeding this long sort of rope to her, you know, this long piece of of rope and she is just gently methodically and with great patience and skill untying the knots in that rope one by one and her foot delicately <laughs> amazingly but this is often the image of Mary when she's standing is that her foot is quelling the serpent and that serpent is is there under her no longer able to do its damage in the world. So I am, as I make this podcast, dear listener, standing in front of that very image here in the church near where I live, and I was amazed having traveled 11,000 miles to settle in this place far from where I came from, you know, to walk into the church and see right there, the first thing as you walked in, this this large image of 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 Mary untire of knots of that of that very thing that I actually ended up carrying that little prayer card that had been tucked in my windshield uh, wipers um I, that would stay with me through thick and thin as I you know made my way and was able to finally thanks to God thanks to prayers blessings and enormous graces uh, and my perseverance 
incredible patience and perseverance to extract myself from everything that I had to and, you know, then finally left where I was living in Massachusetts and came here to Australia. So, again, you know, I, I went to the church here when I first arrived because I'd been used to praying and finding great solace in that experience. And as I said, you know, walked in and there was the image of Mary and Tire of Knots right there. Again, a very uncommon image. It's not something you see much um, you know, it's not it's not an image of Mary that you that is particularly uh, known, even. So here I am making this podcast. Now, what I think I'd like to share with you, and what inspired me to to do this, is that um, as I've kind of intimated in several of my recent podcasts, uh, but I'll say it a little bit more kind of clearly, is that. Although I was and have gone through enormous hardship, really traumatic events, never thinking that I would actually be able to enter into any kind of romantic relationship again, you know, I didn't have it in my mind at all. Um, Someone actually came into my life. And what's extraordinary about that, dear listener, is that the parallels between this person's life and mine are uncanny. We grew up in the same town, north of New York City, and although I didn't sort of really know him back then particularly, uh, we did go to the same school, but our paths weren't that connected totally really back then in front from my own in my life, in my experience of him. But nonetheless, uh, as it would turn out, um, the the ways in which our lives respectively unfolded over the course of what would turn out to be almost 50 years to now have been amazingly similar. I mean, uncannily similar. I had no sort of thought of him or anything since high school, but there I suddenly got this email from him because he heard these podcasts. Amazingly, huh? I just never know who's out there. Um, And he thought to write to me because a lot of my podcasts are about, some of them anyway, are about my home life, my early life, my childhood. And so he was inspired to connect because it reminded him of things that were dear to him, having grown up in the same place. So I never really imagined that after everything I'd been through that actually, as I said, um, love would really, you know, be on my radar again. But here this person just suddenly comes out of the blue. And one of the amazing things, dear listener, is that what I'm realizing is that um, we're presented with situations sometimes the significance of which can be revealed through the extraordinary synchronicities. Um, Again, parallels, uh, coincidences. I mean... I couldn't help but be struck 
that by the fact that since this person had contacted me, it became clear, as I said, that there were so many parallels between our lives as they had unfolded completely independent of one another over nearly 50 years. And then all of these other kind of incredible coincidences emerged and became apparent throughout that period of time and even in our early childhood, all these coincidences that were I wasn't really aware of, but now am. And so you see, as I'm standing here, you know, in this hallowed place telling you this, I'm realizing that one of the ways that we can ascertain the significance of a person, event, or, or you know, occurrence in our life is by the ways in which that situation, person, or occurrence might in fact be surrounded or, or somehow connected to things that seem to happen uh, quite fortuitously, quite providentially. And that can tell us, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> it can tell us that God is behind it. It can tell us that the angels are behind it. It can tell us that this thing is maybe bigger than our own will, our own individual ego, will, uh, personal choice, you know, you name it. And that's a really incredible thing. I'd never really had that experience before this in terms of any kind of personal relationship, but I can't help but be, you know, again, struck by um, all of these sorts of uh, related, um, you know, again, um, parallels and, and synchronicities. And at some point, it'll be the right time to go into, into that. I can't now because of what I'm now going to tell you which is that the circumstances of this particular situation with this person are such that we can't, at this point, yet be together. Now, that is really what inspired me to make this podcast, that feeling of really my grappling with the fact that we can't yet be together because of circumstances that um, existed prior to our connecting in the way that I, I mentioned, you know, all these years now later. So the feelings that I have around that can be sometimes quite intense and quite overwhelming and quite consuming. And I've been watching those feelings. You know, it's very interesting because I literally just came from playing it an assisted living residence, something as, that I do often. My recent podcast, the one that I just made, was about playing at a residence for people who have dementia and Alzheimer's um, and how significant and beautiful that experience is for me to do. So this was a different residence, and I had a most beautiful morning playing for people who were... Um, who were there. So the folks that I played for this morning were not um, suffering, quote-unquote suffering, so much from dementia, et cetera, dementia-related uh, challenges, but were, were there really, you know, enjoying music, and as they all often do, and I sang a song called My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean, all right? 
And that's a song that goes way back, I think probably to the late 1800s, maybe. I mean, I don't know when it was written, but it was a long time ago. It was before the Internet. It was before the telephone. It was before the airplane. It was before all of the ways now that allow us to connect with each other across the miles, almost, you know, often instantaneously. And that song was written back when people's longing occurred across distance, longing for each other, a love longing, you know, a love, the longing for a love who lived way off in the distance, across the miles, across the oceans, in the old country, wherever it was, that song came from that longing. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. My Bonnie lies over the sea. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. Oh, bring back my Bonnie to me. And it's a kind of keening longing feeling that gave rise to whoever wrote that and I sang that this morning and I sang it with the feeling of longing for this person across the miles a lot of miles you know divide us at this point a lot of ocean <laughs> divides us miles of ocean expanse of water and uh I could be singing that song, you know, to this person. My love lies over the ocean. So it's not been an easy time because that longing is something that's mixed in with a lot of other kinds of things, you see, because we haven't really forged this relationship yet in person. And so there's this kind of space of... um, questioning, you know. What is that space filled with? Well, for somebody like myself, it's filled with a lot of things. Maybe for most people it's filled with these same things. I don't really know, but I can tell you what my experience is, because you see what I'm realizing is that when I was six and my daddy left and created, you know, when this huge void of sadness and doubt and confusion and fear and longing and uncertainty and existential grief and and you name it you know i sometimes used that analogy of a a polar bear you know now the ice flows are you know the the glaciers are melting and these polar bears are no longer have solid ice you know solid territory to walk upon and that was what it felt like when I was six and my daddy left and suddenly there was no sure footing anymore so one of the beautiful things about this person that um, I've been telling you mentioning is that he has this amazing way with words he's like a poet you know actually I think he really kind of is a poet and he's enormously Erudite, which means that he's incredibly well studied, well versed in in literature and history and and you name it. I mean anything that's written, <laughs> you know, he just seems to kind of know about it. But he has a beautiful way of describing things, really evocative. And because of the what I would learn to be the incredible trauma that he's been through and suffering as well, like myself, 
He said, you know, we're both kind of a bit internally blighted by PTSD. So this is something we share, he and I. It was a beautiful way to put it. You know, when someone says something that beautiful, it's almost kind of healing. (laughs) You know, you go, oh my gosh, that's so true. And you sort of feel a little better after it because someone has, has named it, you know, so accurately and almost sweetly that you feel a bit better about being internally blighted, you know, by PTSD. But in this distance, right, with this person, this distance that hasn't yet been, it's almost, you know, when they talk about, you know, so when something's not yet consummated, when it hasn't come into, truly into being yet, um, there's the space, you know, there's the space. And that space, in my experience, that longing is accompanied by a lot of feelings that have to do with being internally blighted. Having been internally blighted (laughs) for a long time, probably since I was six. And the feelings that come up are doubt, fear, anxiety, um, uncertainty. You know, everything that I felt when I was six years old arise, everything. And then mixed in with that, in addition to all of that, are all of the things, all of the feelings and and symptoms, results, and um, experiences that have come about because of everything that's happened since then, which has in many cases and in many ways been really, really, really difficult. So, of course, when a person comes through all that, you know, they kind of they feel doubtful, they feel fearful. It's natural, right? I mean, the thing about it is that that's what I'm realizing, that all of this is kind of natural. So one would naturally experience all these things if one has been through circumstances that have been the cause of it, right? It's not our fault that we feel these things. It's not at all. It's because of what we've been through. And that's just such an important point. But this morning, dear listener, I was walking around the house feeling pretty wretched. (laughs) Feeling pretty wretched. I was feeling pretty anxious. I was feeling pretty fearful. I was feeling all those feelings that were filling that space, that that void that exists, you know, across the thousands of miles of ocean, you know, that void that's there created by the fact that the circumstances are such that this person and I can't yet be together. All those feelings were filling that space. And I thought to myself, you know, I was really judging myself, frankly. I was just going, well, I shouldn't be feeling this. What am I really feeling? I was trying to ask myself, what am I really feeling? What is it? What is it? What is it? You know, because also when you've been through all of that, when you've really been hurt a lot, when life has kind of really dealt you a bunch of blows, you know, you wonder actually if you can find love. You wonder if it's even really possible. You don't even really know what it feels like, you know. So that's the thing. As I was walking around this morning and I was, um, I suddenly realized at the deepest level that what I really, really, really was longing for was really just to be with him. I know it sounds almost crazily simple, dear listener, and obvious, 
But frankly, that feeling had been so masked and eaten at by all of the other stuff that I couldn't even really get at the simple fact of this longing. I couldn't even really get at the very thing which inspired whoever it was back in the day to write, my Bonnie lies over the ocean, you know, my love lies over the ocean, my love lies over the sea, bring back, bring back, bring back my love to me, bring back my lover to me. I couldn't even get to that, you know, it was too fraught, I was too fraught with too much uncertainty, fear, anxiety, doubt, and all of it. But this morning, I just kind of let it be, and I thought, wow, you know, wow, actually, this is just longing for this person. I just want to be with this person. That's all I want. That's it. I long for this person. And something actually just dropped in a good way, you know. I suddenly felt at peace, like that's natural. I'm just human. I'm a human being. I'm a, I'm a human person. <laughs> and naturally, a human person, a human being, feels longing for a love, you know, for someone who's entered their life and whom they feel great affinity with and love for. So longing is an amazing thing, dear listener. It's, it's an ache in one's heart, you know. It's a kind of... There's something so poignant and bittersweet and... And just, it's a kind of ache. It's it's a very unusual, very specific kind of ache. And you feel it right in your heart. <laughs> you feel it deep in your heart. And that's, uh, and that's what it is. So what's amazing is that when so many really terrible things happen, you don't think you can feel that. You don't even realize you are feeling that. You either don't think that you're entitled to feel it or that you're safe to feel it or that any of that stuff... You can't even get to it, you know. You can't get to that longing just as it is. But this morning, walking around my house, my little apartment, and just letting all this be, I realized that's what I feel. So that's what I wanted to share with you, dear listener, as I stand in front of this beautiful image of Mary as she unties these knots one by one. And I kind of pray, may all the knots be untied one by one that will allow this person and I to be together and that longing to be fulfilled that longing to to be quenched that longing to be fulfilled and for this beautiful thing to flower so that's my prayer my intention my prayerful intention and um, thought on this day and what I wanted to share with you okay Thanks so much for listening, and may God bless you in every way, shape, or form. It's wonderful to share all these things with you across the miles. Take care for now. Take care. Bye.